today, Nate Nelson. Do you mind if I call you Nate? Go right ahead. Everybody does. Perfect. I love it. Uh, talking to you live, live, live from Florida. And we might get a storm during the show, everybody. So, Nate, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jason. You've done a lot, man, a lot in your career, and now you're doing a lot post-career. And one thing I really want to talk about is you just had a recent trip to Africa, right? Yeah, absolutely. Super exciting. So, you know, hopping on a plane, going to Africa, it's not like something we, we do anymore, especially when the COVID, COVID land. So how was it? How was the travel? And, you know, if everybody doesn't before we get off into that, if everybody doesn't know about Nate, just Google his name. You're going to come up with a lot of really cool stuff. Um, he's done a lot. He's suffered a lot, but he's also survived a lot. So when we talk about traveling and stuff, I really want you to take that into account. So you have to do your due diligence and do your homework because today's show is about Nate's trip to Africa and a lot of other things he's doing that are really great. So tell us about hopping on that plane and, and the mobility and getting over there and especially now. Yeah. So it was definitely something that my wife and I had to kind of think through beforehand because, um, uh, it, you know, it's not evident right by the video, but I'm in a wheelchair. I'm a quadriplegic after having suffered a blast injury in 2013. So, um, you know, traveling is, is a lot different now and, and air travel is, frustrating as it is for everybody else um it just compounds you got to take extra medical stuff and uh and whatever with you this is the first um uh, real significant opportunity i've had for air travel since covid kind of let in and like you said everything's kind of shut down but what it did was it provided a really good opportunity uh for us to uh to get over to south africa and we almost had the place kind of to ourselves. There wasn't a whole lot of tourism happening right now. So that whole industry, which is a huge part of their economy, is really suffering. Um, but it provided us some good opportunities to get over there. Um, yeah, we, we the, the travel wasn't terribly bad. Uh, it's about 14 and a half, 15 hours from Newark. So, you know, you got to get to Newark first and then uh, and then fly over. But, um, you know, all uh, all total, the tests and the masks and all that other stuff uh, was was a minor nuisance uh, that we dealt with and, and got the reward on the other side. Now, what was it? There was a reason for the trip. Was it mostly for travel or fun or what were you going out there for? Uh, well, I started working with an organization called Wild Response, and it was a really fantastic group. Uh, it was started by a former Green Beret, a retired Green Beret, who has always had a big heart for conservation. And after he retired from the Army, he moved out to South Africa with his wife, he wanted to get involved with conservation. And one of the things that he recognized as soon as he started interacting with the local conservation groups out there, the wildlife rangers that are, um, you know, government employees, he recognized they're woefully undertrained for their task. And he just recognized very quickly, hey, I got a lot, of, a lot to bring to the table. I mean, this last 20 years that I just spent uh, in the Army can really uh, pay some big dividends because I can 
pass on a lot of that knowledge that, that seems so second nature to me. But for these guys, it's invaluable. They don't have the resources to have all of the robust training programs uh, that we do in the States. So that was kind of his focus of his mission was I'm going to, I'm going to impart all of the knowledge I have from the army to these wildlife rangers. So they're more effective doing conservation. And that's my contribution to conservation. You know, we can go out and we can uh, fund uh, activities. We can go out and, and save animals. Um, But if you can create second and third order effects uh, by imparting that knowledge and training that skill, um, you can do so much more. That's what's the greatest thing about coming from the soft community yourself is you understand the mission of, you know, the U.S. Army Special Forces. It hasn't always been primarily focused on direct action. A lot of it isn't foreign internal defense. It's a lot of it's training nation states, training nations, countries. So this is like a perfect opportunity for him to go over there and use his skills. And we're not talking about direct action here. We're talking about, you know, patrolling. We're talking about first aid. We're talking about building a cohesive team. We're talking about everything that goes into the big picture of eradicating, eradicating the wildlife trafficking. Um, Cause that is huge. It is absolutely huge. It, it ranks up there with one of the top producing illegal trades in the world. Yeah, so it's, number it's four. Yeah, number four. And when you start thinking about like narco trafficking, you start talking about human trafficking. Uh, there is a lot going on with the wildlife industry. We don't see a lot of it here in the United States because it's well regulated. But when you look overseas and you have poachers, you have the um, the criminal element out there who will not stop uh, in the tracks of anybody from the wildlife industry. They will take them out and they will. Uh, kill them and do whatever they have to do. It's great to have someone out there training them to when I do encounter this. So how did you ultimately find out about this? Uh, Well, Kevin came back to the States and um, he linked up with some, um, some other former green berets that I'm, I'm uh, connected with. And they reached out to me. He was looking to try to get veterans uh, that same opportunity that he had. He recognized the benefit that he felt, um, you know, kind of passing on his institutional knowledge to uh, to somebody else and the impact that it has for conservation. And he wanted to give uh, that opportunity to other veterans, also give them an opportunity to see, you know, some other part of the world that, you know, is frankly dying out a little bit. So um, so he came over and 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 asked me for for my help. Now, I'm Having worked for the congressman in the district, I was uh, pretty well connected to all of the Department of Defense that exists here and understand kind of the programs and how that works. So um, I was able to make some introductions and and talk about the benefit of uh, bringing over not only active duty, but veterans as well, or those uh, active duty in transition, Um, because there's a lot of benefits that we could really bring. So you can have... uh, programs uh, that that go on during those kind of retreats uh, while you're doing conservation, right? So the conservation kind of brings you there, the experience and the, and the trip kind of brings you there. But while you're there, you kind of work, you can work on things like uh, what does life after the military look like? Or how do I deal with my PTSD and moral injury? Or, 
you know, my wife and I had discussed maybe doing um, like a couple's retreat. So a husband and, and, and spouse, husband and wife team go over there. Um, they both get that opportunity to contribute to that mission. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can work through some some different marital counseling or, or some type of program like that. The SOCOM is doing a lot of that already uh, in different parts of the United States. And they put a great deal of uh, funding towards that because they recognize the benefit it has on the service member when everything else in their life is is going well. They're more effective. Um, and so our thought was, you know, this could be another program uh, available to them. Uh, there's two key words in there that you brought up that are very, very interesting to me and that are really pushing on to the next level lately. I shouldn't say lately. In the past few years, we've seen a lot more of it. It's finding another mission because you need one. Absolutely. I think a lot of us go into these dark spots when we don't have another mission. So having that and then having the encounter. But then the other thing is couples. A lot of times the service member goes on their own mission, whether that's a mental mission to get health and healing. And the couple, the the spouse is on the sidelines, but they're part of the team and they also need that mission. So having that opportunity to travel and to grow rather than regress, I think that's incredible. And I think this is a very excellent, excellent program to get people out of their comfort zones even, and sending them to a foreign country. That's That's definitely out of your comfort zone, especially when, you know, the service member might be used to you know, flying overseas and, and conducting operations, but the spouse isn't. So I really like this idea and I can see it progressing more beyond just, you know, uh, helping out Rangers and training them and everything else. It, I think it'd be a great program to introduce other people to wildlife conservation because everything, I didn't know about this until you told me it's like a ripple effect with the information flow. It's like a constant PR campaign. So tell us what is the, the most valuable lesson you learned in this last trip? Um, you know, for me and, and my family, really, we, um, we like to stretch what we would perceive as possible uh, for me to do. Just being a quadriplegic, it's so limiting in our, in our life. And my mindset is is always struggling with that. You know, I'm I I know I've been told that I can't do this, that, and the other, but in my mind, I'm I'm thinking hey, I got to get after it and, and go go go. Uh, so for us, uh, for me specifically, it was important for me to prove that I am capable of doing that and having things to contribute and uh, being able to provide that opportunity for my family to experience those, um, really spectacular sights and, and, uh, and be surrounded by all these, uh, megafauna. have, uh, my seven-year-old daughter was with me and my wife is six months pregnant right now. Uh, so, you know, we were really a test bed for what's possible. You know, you got a kid pregnant lady and a quadriplegic and you're going to throw us out in the African bush and say, everything's going to be okay. Uh, I mean, we came back in one piece. So, uh, so that was hugely important. Um, so, you know, that was really important when we were talking about some of the other programs that we 
we're discussing with the DOD. Maybe we have active duty teams that are coming back from deployment and transitioning from deployment, redeployment is really difficult uh, because it's a whole different world. Um, I did three uh, trips to Afghanistan and every single time I came back, it's really unnerving to kind of settle in to this, this life at home with your, with your wife and the routine and everything when nothing's changed for her uh, or, or, or for the whole time that you've been gone, you know, it can kind of be awkward settling back into that. One of the things we discussed is, Hey, maybe we have a group of guys that go, you know, straight from the combat environment to South Africa and they go and they do some training uh, for a little bit with the wildlife rangers. And then we have their wives come over uh, during the second week and they reintegrate while they're there. They have some downtime. They see some some animals, some sites, and uh, they're able to reintegrate somewhere else besides uh, just their home as soon as they as soon as they show up. So it could be some huge benefits there. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely. What is the arrangements like? You know, when I think when I picture Africa. I picture tents. <laughs> I picture, you know, you're lit, you're in the Congo and you're doing this and you're doing that. And I'm, I'm woefully, uh, someone has, has told me that it's, it's not like that at all. It's like, you know, especially different parts of Africa are not the Congo. You're not like in this big tent and you don't need a, a hunter outside with a big 4570 to stop any uh, lions coming at you. What is, what is the arrangements like? So, uh, yeah, that's, that's partially true. I would say, um, all the accommodations that we have here in the States, they have uh, over there. We were um, about five and a half hours drive northeast of Johannesburg in a town called Hodesbrut, uh, which is right on the edge of the Kruger National Park. And uh, they had everything. There's, a, there's huge safari companies up there that build really nice lodges. And uh, we had small little huts that my family slept in really nice accommodations. The food was great. Um, we had this one uh, campsite and we call a campsite resort area uh, called Africa on foot. And it was a whole bunch of huts surrounded by an electric fence uh, to keep the animals out. So you're, you're really out there in and amongst these, uh, these really wild animals. We had, uh, herds of elephants surrounding the whole camp the whole time. Um, lions just a couple of hundred meters uh, from the edge of the camp. And uh, and absolutely, the guides there had 4570s that they walked around uh, with just in case uh, something went awry. Um, so it's right there on the edge of uh, of being super wild, but super accommodating as well. Now the encounter, like, uh, did you get to meet the rangers that are working the the African rangers? So, some of the people that went with us uh, spent a lot more time specifically working with them. We took a couple of medics with us. That um, sorry, I'm going to move out of the rain. Uh, we took a couple of medics with us that brought medical kits for the rangers. And uh, they they spent a little bit more time than my wife and I did down there. And uh, but we worked with other conservation groups to kind of learn what they do. And uh, and that was kind of the big benefit for us, for me and my family. 
That's really cool. And that's one thing, one way people can support the organization is providing funding for like um, GPS units, for medical kits. These are like you and I, we both know the military has changed in the past 20. Well, I'm a 1990s military guy and a post 9-11 military guy. So I've changed. I've seen the military gear and everything change over the decades. We're used to having a lot of top quality gear. Uh, they're not and they need it. It comes down to survival, and it's not just survival against uh, an enemy trying to come in and uh, poach and do whatever else they're doing. We're talking about natural elements. We're talking about injuries in the field. We're talking about locations. We're talking about just basic survival. So you can contribute. I would ask everybody to take a second, go to wildresponse.org and, and take a look at it. And then also take a look at Nathan and his life and his story. So, yeah. So what's next, Nate? Uh, so the next thing is I'm going to be working with this organization for a while, trying to uh, create a pipeline for other veterans to have the experiences that that I did, um, trying to develop out this program, link uh, wild response to other organizations that, uh, you know, with a little little synergy, we can have a greater effect uh, type of thing get this ball rolling as much as possible. Um, it's what we're really, really looking forward to. Yeah. A lot of, I swear everything. Right. In, oh, sorry. It's, it's really kind of in its infancy right now. Um, Kevin only approached us earlier this year uh, with this idea to build it out. So, um, you know, we, like I said, we went out there as a test bed and uh, you know, we got a lot of work to do before, it's an ongoing program. Well, you know, the first step is to talk about it. The second step is say, hey, you know what? Let's make a plan. And you guys are at that that concept station of it right now. And I like it. I like the idea of this. I'm checking it out. I want to find out more. And I'd really like to keep in touch with you and look into this and show people how we could support it. Not just a one episode shot. Let's keep pushing us and let's keep talking about it. A lot of this, a lot of everything nowadays is information flow, whether that's social media, LinkedIn, or everything else, newsletters. So you have our support. Well, you have my support because protectors is one man show. Yeah, so what I am I talking about? <laughs> I recommend you uh, you bring Kevin on. Let him talk about it uh, as well. He's a really interesting character. His story is fantastic. Um. But uh, yeah, where where they're going is 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 really incredible. So um, I'm excited to be a part of that organization. Yeah, and I'd like to, you know, I'd like to have you back on definitely, and it'd be great to have your uh, your wife on, maybe pre or post pregnancy, <laughs> and yeah. and talk to you guys about the couples and stuff like that, and maybe get some of the other soft community couples that are out there. I know Tom and Jen Satterley are doing a lot. Uh, there's a lot of other different people, and it's it's something we really should look into i shouldn't even say look into i hate when people say that it's something yeah. we need to do more we need yeah. to do there is no look there is no what if there is there's do so let's do that nate i really appreciate you coming on the show today thanks jason it was uh, a real pleasure to be here